Hi there, Ben here again for another disclaimer at the beginning of a podcast. Feels like it's gone off the rails here at episode seven and eight. Um, uh, so what, essentially what happened was um, we've recorded this episode actually about a fortnight ago with Harry and my brother. He unfortunately forgot to wear headphones. So usually how it works, just to peek behind the curtain briefly, is um, Katie and I will record our part of the podcast locally on our computer um, and then I'll sort of stitch them together in post um, to make the podcast you hear. Um, unfortunately, when Harry was recording his part locally, he'd forgotten to put headphones in. Therefore, we were still coming out of his speaker. Um, and so we we appear in his audio file throughout a sort of a weird mixed up echo. Um, so to make this one, I've had to go through his um, audio file and try and trim all the bits where Katie and I are speaking to make it sound all right so it's not all weird and echoey. The issue is there are sometimes bits where Harry and our voices are intermingled and at that point I have to say, okay, I can't disconnect these, therefore we're just going to have to use Harry's raw audio, which is us coming through in a way that sounds like we're just on speakerphone, very bad quality. So if you notice Katie or my voice um, suddenly reducing in quality to speak to Harry, it's because we've had to use his raw audio as opposed to fishing um, bits out. Um, so that's that. The other thing is because of that, obviously, as you can imagine, it's taken a lot longer to edit than it otherwise would have done. Um, and because of the PS5 reveal, we wanted to jump on that um, and get that one out in a timely fashion. So actually, this this episode, as I say, was recorded a couple of weeks ago and, and is recorded without any <laughs> obvious reference to uh, what would then come later so if there i I haven't actually checked it but if if there's some weird things that don't make sense in this time you'll know that actually it was because this happened um before we knew really much about what the ps5 was going to be anyway those are the two disclaimers i've almost done another podcast here in disclaimer form Uh, i hope you enjoy um yeah and thanks for listening Hi there, and welcome to the latest episode of the Consumed Podcast. This is the show where we are consumed by and are consuming video games and other forms of popular culture. My name is Ben Fox. I'm joined this week by my lovely wife, Katie. Good afternoon. Hi. I'm impressed that you said my name. Normally, I'm just the lovely wife. No, I don't. I usually say I'm joined by my lovely wife, Katie. Do I just really say I'm joined by my lovely wife? Here she is. That is a bit um, demeaning to you, sorry. Um, Your only status is as my wife. Uh, I'm also uh, joined by my brother, interestingly, Harry. Hey, Harry. How you doing? I'm cold. Yeah, great. Well, why? Has mum mum not got the heat up? Probably not. Although I'm, I'm next to, you know, one of those glass doors. So I guess that's... Why it's so cold in here? It's June. Shouldn't it be warm by now? It is. It is very unpleasant in the UK. It was scorching for a little while, and I thought I was going to die from the heat. But now it's um, it's pretty horrible, pretty miserable in its own way. Yeah. So this is the show that's inexplicably split into a three-course meal: a starter, a main course, and a dessert. In the starter, we talk about non-video game-related things or just things we've been doing this week. Why don't we, as you're a guest, start with Harry? How has your week been? What have you been up to? Give us the goss. Well, I'm getting my computer upgraded for university, 
since it's kind of well i wouldn't say old old but it's not up to the standard Better not be because i'm buying it off you well yeah it's a good computer um but for the kind of like 3d software i'm going to use it's probably not going to be adequate enough so um yeah I'm, do you just want to explain to the listeners who don't know what you're planning on studying next year uh, so i'm going to study game art um yeah. and part of i mean it, it's there's gonna be a lot of traditional and 2d digital work but there is going to be an element of 3d uh, work in it and for things like zbrush and all the really powerful programs um my pc especially with windows 7 is probably not going to be adequate enough so to make sure that i don't you know sit sit in my dorm and go oh no none of this is working um yeah. we're kind of getting it upgraded yeah, so that was a long, laborious process, wasn't it? Because I'm sure, like many listening, if you're trying to buy any kind of electronics at the moment, they're so difficult to come by. I ordered my Elgato so that I could stream PlayStation 4 via my PC, and I ordered that nearly a month ago, still nowhere near coming. So you're lucky that at least you eventually got your stuff, didn't you? Yeah, well, sort of. The graphics card wouldn't get in stock. And then Amazon ha- had an issue where... We couldn't cancel our order, but according to their sort of policy thing, if something is out of stock, you only get charged once it's in stock. Well, it wasn't in stock, yet we'd already been charged for it. So they'd taken money off us without them, you know, having to do so. So yeah. we had to... no, it sounds exactly like the UK Home Office right now. <laughs> oh, satire. Hope they don't listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, but yeah, so now it's all the bits are with a guy and it's being made and you're hoping to get it when? Uh, Thursday, uh, this next coming Thursday or Friday. Cool. And would you say that's occupying a large amount of your mind at the moment? Well, I'm quite sad, so yes. <laughs> cool, we'll leave it at that. I'm quite sad. Um, Katie, how's your week been? Yeah, pretty good. I guess maybe in not well instead of like you know this podcast is about like video games and all that stuff kind of been trying to set aside some not more non-screen time than usual um which you know really hasn't given me anything to talk about on the podcast (laughs) this week um but it's fine i've been well i have been i got inspired by watching the netflix series cheer I don't know mm-hmm. if anybody's watched it yet, but I, about I mean, cheerleaders. Yeah. yeah, it came out like a few months ago, I think. It is so good. It is so much more interesting than I think it has any right to be. Um, yeah, it's about cheerleaders in this like tiny junior college in a little town in Texas, but they they've won like NCAA titles as being the best cheer team in like the whole country. And cool. they are they are like athletes. They are so strong and built and ripped, and they can do all these crazy stunts. And they're flipping around and they're chucking chip, chicks up into the air. Um, so I've been I I watch that at night when I'm when I'm like stretching because I've been trying to improve my own flexibility. Like, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. I mean I'm well past my prime of <laughs> potentially being a cheerleader, but. Not it's, necessarily in your twenties. So that's still too late. I think they they say <laughs> they peak at like seventeen, and then that's like obsessing. their career is, you know, all downhill from there. Um, oh, but it's 
it's gotten me back into doing um some yoga which i've been doing kind of as like a workout since probably college and yeah. then got like really serious into it for about a year when we were in china and then now i'm kind of just coming back to it um I'm pairing that with sure. some meditation so yeah that's nice. been taking up some of my off screen time this week so is it giving you a better headspace would you say yeah and that yeah that's the app i used it sounds like it's a sponsored by but it's not yeah. no. <laughs> but i have been using headspace is a good one it's yeah it's uh i use headspace a lot as well thoroughly recommend if just to sort of go off piece and be ne- needlessly uh sincere for a second if you are struggling with anxiety or that sort of thing meditation is a really great way to sort of help deal with it and headspace is a nice entry point for that um sorry to interrupt with that no i think it's true it's a good way because i you know i I sometimes use video games as like a distraction or just as a time yeah waster um because all i have to do is waste time right now so it's good to have some other mindful things built in that i can occupy myself with absolutely great that's good to hear um cool well i'll move on to me then um similarly actually trying to get elements of my metaphorical house in order as i said um a few weeks ago i've started a diet the 800 uh blood sugar diet or whatever it's called i can't remember even remember its name um which i have been doing and i have from what i can tell lost quite a lot of weight it sort of morphed into a keto diet which it nearly is like it's a mediterranean diet in this book um, where it is low carbs, but it's not low, low carbs. Mm. You can sort of have baked beans and some other things. It's just making sure you have 800 calories. But I've actually been pretty strict about the carb count, so I'm pretty sure I'm full. Essentially a low-calorie keto diet, which I'm not sure how healthy that is. Oh, it's like um, you just be tired all the time. Uh, well, I am actually tired all the time. <laughs> and it's, I, w- I wake up and I you know, get 10 hours sleep and I'm still absolutely exhausted. I think it's um, partially because of the keto flu, which you're meant mm. to go through, where because essentially how it works is that in, your body would usually use carbohydrates from like bread or um, cake <laughs> to <laughs> give you energy. But as soon as you don't have any of that in your system, it has to start finding energy elsewhere um, and starts breaking down fat to use as energy which is why you lose so much weight but obviously during that conversion process your body essentially goes into starvation mode and you feel wretched um, and I thought it was a thing that would happen over a couple of days so I thought oh this is fine but actually I've been reading that it can go on for like a month so I think um, my body may still be going through that that transition um, but I actually find it as a diet relatively easy to keep on because it's a lot I can eat cheese I can eat eggs all the stuff i like i mean i can't eat chocolate but i just don't buy any in so i found it quite manageable and um yeah so i so far i'd recommend it but obviously as i said last time if you're interested in in, in any diet look at the research and the book first <laughs> but yeah there was yeah there was something else was going about but maybe i've run on a bit long with this so i'll talk about it next week yeah so we'll jump straight into our main course this week which is a little bit different to usual um, ordinarily, we'd speak about a game, um, but this week we're speaking sort of about a console, its past, its present, and its future. Um, and we'll be back shortly to divulge. See you in a bit. And we are back for our main course this week. 
which as previously stated is um, focusing on a games console this week. The console in question is the Nintendo Switch, which um, I have to admit I don't own. I know Katie has one. I know Harry has one. So before we're going to sort of take a deep dive into where it when it came out, our first impressions of it, how it's evolved over the last few years, um, and sort of where we'd like it to go in the future. But let's just get some off-the-cuff opinions on the Switch and, and what it's doing that's worthwhile. Um, should we start with you, Katie? What are your thoughts on the Switch? Sure. I I feel like I've name-dropped my Switch like a bunch of times um, over the course of this podcast. I have... I've always been like a Nintendo girl, I guess. Like I, you know, I had the Game Boy and then I had the N64. And then we did take like a brief detour into when I got my PlayStation 2. But then I had my Wii and then the next, oh, and then a Nintendo DS. And then the next console I got was the Switch. So uh, that's like, you know, where I've, just kind of been in that trench like my whole life of playing Nintendo games. So I was really excited when uh, I heard the Switch was coming out. I thought it looked really cool. I feel like, um, I don't know, I feel like Nintendo's always had interesting things about their console. Like I remember when the DS came out and like it flipped open and had two screens and I was like, that's sick. And so then to see what they did with the Switch and its detachable controllers, yeah, I thought that was... That was really innovative and um, interesting. Even though, yeah, I guess the predecessor, the Wii U. Um, I had some friends that had one in college, and I, you know, didn't really have as big of a draw to that. Um, mm. And it, I think it was kind of a disappointment overall. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, the Wii U was a really weird console because it came off the ridiculous success of the Wii, which I loved. Which yeah, and got, you know, everyone and their grand literally was uh, playing the Wii. Um, it had ridiculous mass market appeal. Um, everyone was sort of uh, waiting with bated breath for a sequel to it. And then what came along was something called the Wii U. I remember watching the E3. Uh, Harry, you might be a bit young for this. I remember watching the E3 demonstration. Actually, maybe not. When I was at uni. And uh, because I was working for a game site at the time and I was sort of reporting the news and we were just in the chat of or the discord or whatever we had to, to talk about and we we're just like what is this because Reggie fils or you know who at the time was the head of the American arm of Nintendo was coming out he was talking about this Wii U um, and it was unclear whether it was a new console whether it was an extension yeah. to the Wii whether it was its its own thing um, and he was there explaining what it was conceptually and we still had no idea because obviously there was the focus on this controller which was now I suppose you'd argue a predecessor to the Switch was a tablet so it had its own little screen on it um, and you could take the Wii U games around your house you couldn't take it outside with you it had to be near the Wii U um, but it, and it had some functionalities in some other forms within games. Um, but it just confused the market, and it didn't really make use of that that screen. It was really bulky and horrible. Um, it was a lot. It was really underpowered compared to the other consoles at the time. Uh, interrupt real quick. Um, so yeah. you couldn't take it away from the the actual hub thing. You could. Oh, you could to a very limited degree. So I remember people even taking it upstairs to their bed 
wanting to play Wii U struggling if their bedroom was on the other side of their house. So, so oh, because I, I always had the idea that um, the Wii U was essentially just a kind of watered-down switch. I, I thought the point was that you could take it at wherever. No, oh, God, no, no. That, that It should have been, and we'll come on to the Switch in a second, um, but no, it was just a console, and it had this controller with a screen on it, which you could stream the games, or you could, yeah, the games could run on that screen. But yeah, had to be very near, had to be on your Wi-Fi at least, and then it, you had to be quite near to the console as well. Um, so yeah, it, it was sort of... You ended can... up using it as like an extra, just an extra controller. Yeah. Like if you were playing yeah. Brawl and you needed an extra controller for somebody who joined, like somebody who drew the short straw would have to play the game with the Wii U yeah. and then have that on the screen. It's Yeah, it was very weird and bulky. I remember there were a few games that came out which were ports of previous generation games like... Um, Assassin's Creed 3 or Arkham Batman Arkham City and they were just like contrived little touchscreen implements put in there to try and justify this Wii U conversion by this point these games were so out of date and no one really wanted to play them I think only a handful of games came out apparently it's one of the most collectible or easy to collect for consoles it sort of gained a second life for that for like dedicated games collectors they actually quite like the idea of being able to go out and reasonably afford the entire collection of physical Wii U games because it was very short-lived it didn't make didn't sell many uh many boxes at all and then it died and everyone was very yeah surprised given how prolific the Wii had become and then obviously we came on to come on to the Nintendo Switch which sort of changed the game for them but Harry, we'll move on to you. What were your what are your general impressions of the Nintendo Switch? Well, I think it's really just for me anyway, it's it's kind of just a tablet, really, like you yeah. know, any other you could get, really. But it's just a dedicated game one. For those of, for people who don't know, because I'm sure most of the people most of the people here do, but if there's anyone who doesn't really know what a Nintendo Switch Switch is compared to something like the Wii U or whatever. What is the unique selling point of a switch? Well, it's it's that it's in its name. It switches. So you've got kind of three modes. You've got the tabletop mode, which no one really uses because it's useless, um, and then you've got the way of putting it on a TV and using it like a general console, or kind of turning it into kind of Nintendo DS type thing, where you can take yeah. it wherever and as far away from the. Um, kind of hub thing that I've just now just learned um, yeah. and this, that's really kind of what it is just a, a three-part system um, with kind of Nintendo's properties on it really yeah it's, it is a handheld isn't it it's a high-powered handheld console like you say a tablet with two controllers attached to the side of it but you can dock it in um, a little plastic um, sort of covering um, that's connected by HDMI to your TV. And then, hey, presto, you have a home TV console as well. So it's sort of everything rolled up in one. Um, and a lot of people have, have really praised it for that. And it's a very seamless transition between those two modes, isn't it? Harry, you came to the console quite late, and I know you've had lots of video game consoles in the past. How does it compare to them in terms of you know playability, games? What, what, what are your thoughts? Well, um... I mean, I got the Switch originally because I I kind of... Well, I had the PS Vita previously. 
Um, and I got in the, into that quite late, just like Switch. Um, yeah. And I got it because I didn't own place, uh, any PlayStation consoles and I wanted a way of me getting some form of PlayStation games like Ratchet and Clank and games like yeah. that. And then I realised how much of a disappointment it was and the fact that the, the, the memory cards were humongous and uh, in price. Um, and I mean, I'm not going fi- to fight you on this, but I am at no, some, do it. Fight, fight, I am at some stage happy to, to give a comprehensive <laughs> defence of the Vita, which I love with all my heart. Um, you're right, though. The memory cards were, were and are disgustingly expensive. Apart from that, it's a stunning console. On, on you go. T- completely was the point that these cards were huge and the fact that I yeah. couldn't fit anything on them and all the games I wanted mostly were digital because there wasn't any you know physical yeah. copies again actually even since Sony has have stopped making physical games for the Vita there's been a second wave of enthusiasts who have released a lot of physical media for the Vita so maybe think about that one again at some point but yeah go on <laughs> right well, in my opinion, regret- regrettably bought. Um, but then I kind of want to go to the Switch because I emulated um, uh, Breath of the Wild. And of course, it's not the way to play it and it didn't work out. So I thought I want to play this properly. So uh, I thought I'll, I'll get a Switch and I thought well, I don't use my Vita anymore and I want something I can take around. Um, so I got then the Switch. and it- So does that, um, sorry to interrupt you, does that idea of having something to take around as a modern person, because for me, I used to love portable gaming, that's why I love the Vita so much, but I find now as an adult man who has to drive everywhere, I don't really, there's, I find little need for it really because I can just play the PlayStation when I'm at home and every other time I'm either at work or driving around. But as someone who's like a student um, about to go to university, does that still hold, does that still have a lot of value for you, that portability? Well, definitely because, I mean, if you're if you're far away from, you know, your, your house or wherever um, and you've got that kind of um, time where you've either got a break or, you know, or when I, when I was at college, you know, I'd be able to sit in the lunchroom or the library um, and play my Switch then. And it is kind of, well, if you think of video games as an addiction, which they kind of are, it's it's my way of, you know, not being Eating on... Eating that addiction. Well, exactly. I'm not, you know, thinking, where is my games? So, um, but I have yeah. to admit, when I did get the Switch, that wasn't at all what, what made me want to get it, actually. Funnily enough, um, which is weird. I think when when I first got it, I wanted it for Zelda and I wanted it for other games. And then over time, um, when when I you know took it off its off its dock, I realised, wow, you know, I can just put this in my bag and go. You know, I don't yeah. have to. You know, I don't have to just sit at a telly all day. Or you know, when my mother decides to watch telly, I don't have yeah. to go. You know, oh. Now I just have to sit and wait for, you know, her TV show at the end or whatever. I can just take it off and carry on. And it is better. I mean, as much as I love the PlayStation Vita and it is approaching console level quality on a handheld, the size of the Switch is screen, those tactile, more tactile controls, I think they do take, it is still 
just remarkable. If you're on a plane, just to crack out a copy of Skyrim, just on the go. Um, I, th- you know, how much content is there? That's just that's a triple A game, just running relatively well on um, on a portable handheld system. That's, so, I guess, um, um, maybe just like one of the like problems. Like this, this might just be me and the the way that I end up traveling. I guess is yeah. that I did initially have a problem with like it is bulkier than like mm. a DS or like a just handheld console. Like there had to be some balance between that. So I think it, it, def- it def- definitely is, has the, you know, less bulk than a straight console. But if you're like, like me and you're traveling between a few different places for like long term, like get on a plane to, a vacation or whatever and you have to bring the dock and you've got the switch itself like it doesn't yeah. do long haul traveling as well i feel like i've played it at you know when i was at home and i would take the bus downtown and it, yeah i think it's good for commute but for traveling i wish i i'm still wishing that nintendo would come out with some some implement that you could um connect to a tv without the dock i know that we we saw those i think um when we were in China where I got my switch that, you know, somebody had just kind of manufactured their own oh, plug, little adapter. Like, yeah, adapter or plug in that you could use to put it to the TV without the dock. Um, because that yeah. does make it a bit more difficult for like long haul traveling. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, do you get a lot? I know you're using it mainly in handheld mode these days because you're you're not in a situation where you've got access to a, a TV all the time. If you did have a decent television, do you think you'd be using it in handheld mode a lot? Um, probably, probably not as much. Like, yeah, like 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 Ben kind of said, I'm not doing as much like short term commuting right now. So I I would probably just use it more primarily as a console system. Yeah. Um, but 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 the, yeah, like Harry said too, I can agree with that. Like when I'm at home and like Ben's playing something on the PS4 on the TV that doesn't have which a handheld always option, is. which which he spends some time doing, then I can just grab the <laughs> DS and then we can still like play together. Um, but I've got you yeah. know it on my screen, so that is one of the um, disappointing things because I've been eyeing up. Um, and we'll come on to the games in a second, but I've been eyeing up the Nintendo Switch Lite, um, even though I'm not really a fan of any of the colours, which takes away the dock, makes it um, isn't as modular. You can't take the controls off it anymore, but it's smaller and the battery life is better. And if they just had what you're explaining, where you could just plug in an HDMI in the bottom and output it to the TV, I would have bought one, but mm-hmm. you can't. It has no ability to go onto the TV, which to me defeats the whole point of it being a Switch in the first place. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, those are the, the general um, sort of introductions and thoughts about, about the Switch. Let's move on then to its games. I know Harry's already been speaking a little bit about Zelda Breath of the Wild, which is probably its biggest first party release blew everybody away critical darling few detractors um jim sterling jumps to mind katie jumps to mind um harry do you want to um do cuz i've ne- i've not got far into it either i bought it for katie for her birthday she's decided not to play it but she's you know she's working whatever. on it she's just not uh, sure if it hits the same itch as a normal zelda game does yeah, so we're not going to be able to go into all of these with with a lot of detail, mate. But briefly, 
Zelda Breath of the Wild, why has it got the sort of critical acclaim that it has? I think it's because it... Um, well, I mean, this is this is my kind of own... I mean, I haven't played a lot of them, but this is my yeah. kind of own insight into them, and I hope I don't offend you, Casey, in any way. But... She is easily offendable. <laughs> but I, I feel like you <laughs> see, like the like the consoles with their kind of power, kind of, and you know what they're capable of. I feel like the Zelda games have always been far behind in the sense, you know, they're not something like uh, Half Life or Metal Gear where they've kind of blown something out of the park. They've also they've all been quite linear-ish and I think throughout all the games apart from Breath of the Wild and you know crappy spin-offs you have here and there um it, you know they're all kind of the same and you know when you pick up a, a Zelda game you're gonna be like oh I picked up this one before and here's you know a similar game um yeah, same structure different with visual exactly. aesthetic that's about all yeah. yeah and I think with Breath of the Wild they they completely changed up a lot of what you know, Zelda was, and you know, kept it still kept some of it, but mm-hmm. changed a, a lot of what it was. And I think it's a bit like Resident Evil Four in a sense, how it gained so many followers yet lost some due to its changes. And I think you know, Katie's yeah. a bit on the fence about that. Um, yeah, that's a good analogy because yeah, that's a very good analogy because Resident Evil Four is a very highly regarded game but maybe one of the best of all time, a bit like Breath of the Wild, but it did change the form of Resident Evil to the point where hardcore uh, obsessives, maybe is too harsh, um, weren't quite on board with those changes. But uh, yeah, good point. Some people would say it's maybe the most open world of all open world games. Would you agree with that? No. To be, to be quite honest, I just... I mean, when I've played Breath of the Wild, it hasn't made me go... Oh, I haven't seen this before. You know, it okay. is it is very the same. You know, like I've I've played games like Skyrim and you know a lot of open world games. I've you know just been playing, and there's not much you know different about it. I, I think artistically, you could say it's quite different. I mean, it's very rare we get a huge open world game with literally no towns or buildings or anything where you know it's you have a very small amount of them in breath of the wild and it is really just the wild um yeah and you know i think i think it does a lot of stuff well um because of that but it isn't much different really i think i think the the combat and things like that are definitely different you know you don't have many of those and Um, you have weapons that degrade and break which i hate exactly yeah um but no, it isn't isn't something that blows me personally out of the park with. Well, and to to be fair, Katie, again, do you want to explain why it doesn't call to you either? Yeah, I mean, it, it is just so different from any other any other Zelda game and how it's um, laid out. Because I've been playing the game since since I was a kid, and even um, on the N sixty four and on the NES that, you know, they all have kind of the same layout of giving you, I don't know, giving you directions of where to go and kind of guiding you along with which items you gain and the people that you meet. So I felt like I was kind of missing out on some of those connections in Breath of the Wild. I am, it is one of my goals to give it another chance. Um, But uh, yeah, it it does have a different feel to it. which I think put 
a few people who have been playing it for a long time off. Yeah, yeah, it definitely did. But it looks um, you're not, great. You're not alone. It's stunning for a game on that sort of hardware. It actually came out on the Wii U. Um, it was, the, I think, it was the last Wii U game to ever be published. Could be wrong about that. Um, but simultaneously on the Switch as well. Bayonetta, Obviously, the Switch though, took up. I don't know whether Bayonetta so, two came out after. Oh, you could be right. You yeah, could be right because that came out um, on Wii U. Right. Okay. Yeah. So Breath of the Wild. I think mixed response here. I do really want to play it critically acclaimed as i've said before um we'll rush through some other high profile games mario odyssey we talked about Katie's... last week in the dessert right yeah so i suppose Which, you don't need to you go know, it was the opposite of breath of the wild whereas it followed a very traditional like mario format i feel of you know exploring different yeah. worlds it was much much bigger but it mm-hmm. it was part of the same formula wasn't it yeah. so yeah um what else Animal super Crossing. smash brothers Okay, yeah, Animal Crossing. <laughs> what would you like to say about New Horizons, Katie? I mean, we'll do a full episode on that later, but... Great. Great. Good. <laughs> Good analysis. Uh, Harry, Super Smash Brothers, you've been playing? Thoughts? Um, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's fun, right. but I play it alone. And I think just... we're going to have lots of very angry Nintendo <laughs> fans listening to this episode. Go on. <laughs> but... It, it's sad alone. There's no one to play yeah. with because it's quarantine. Suppose, yeah. um, it's not the sort of game to single player run, is it? No, which I am. Um, but yeah, it's, it's. We can play it when I get back. Yeah. Oh, exciting. Katie and I will get good. Nice. Um, but yeah, it's it's a good game. But I think it's just. It confuses me controls wise because I can't. It's a bit like the Mortal Kombat games where. I can't get a grip on how I'm meant to play it. Like, I don't really understand the technique. I think Bayonetta, actually, was the only character I've slightly understood because apart from, if you would think of an Xbox controller, instead of Y and B being the attack buttons, it's A and B, which is really weird. Um, And so it's kind of just switching those buttons around, but with Bayonetta's controls slightly. Um, yeah. So it's 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 fun, but again, playing single player and fighting bots is very tedious. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've never quite gotten to Smash myself, I must admit, but I do plan on uh, giving it another go once once we get it um, on Katie's Switch. Um, for me, because again, I don't have one, um, but I do want one largely because of the JRPGs on offer. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a lot of good stuff Fire on the Emblem. Switch. Yeah, Fire Emblem Three Houses. I'm desperate to play. Um, Tokyo Mirage Sessions. What, so I'm desperate bad. to play. Yeah, that's like a cross between Fire Emblem and the Shimogami Tensei guys who made Persona. I thought I saw there's a yeah. There's isn't there a Persona game coming for Switch? Is there? There has uh, Scramble, or... but it's only come out in Japan. It hasn't come out in the West, which is ridiculous. Mm. So yeah, Scrambles are sort of Muso um, hack and slash. It's not a traditional JRPG, but yeah, I do want to play that as well if it comes on the Switch. I think it's on PS4 as well. Though. Um, and the most recent one, which came out a couple of days ago, or this week certainly, was the remake of Xenoblade Chronicles, which and it's been fully remade with new models, um, redesigned um, some of the, the way the quests work. It looks amazing. And many people who are into JRPG say it's their top five game of all time it's like really 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 good and it was on the wii and it was i do have it on the wii somewhere i just don't have a wii and um 
it was on three and it was on 3ds and apparently ran like ass um but now apparently it's this is like the definitive edition and it i just i can't for me personally if i had a if i had a switch i would just load up jrpgs on it listen to podcasts and just grind that i can't that that's an ideal afternoon in for me and that's why i love portable gaming just being able to put something on the tv or something you're listening to and then just crunch some numbers in some deep rpg yeah that sort of thing i love that so um there's a lot for me for me personally that i'm looking forward to i could definitely get a lot of use out of a switch but as i've said on every episode of this show i'm trying to complete all of my games before i move on to anything else um, so we'll see how that goes. Are there any other games that you think bear mention before we decide to move on to something else? We've, I mean, yeah. There's, there's, there's a few traditional. Yeah, we talked about Brawl, Mario Kart Eight. Yeah, yeah. I think, but yeah, Ben and I have played that a few times. That lends itself well to the Switch function. Yeah, I like that game. I have to say, I don't. It doesn't feel really in any way different no. to every other Mario game, um, Mario Kart game I've played, but it is it is good for what it is. Um, any you'd like to mention, Harry? You're forgetting Ring Fit. That's a good one, Ring oh, Fit. Do you yeah. want to briefly explain what that is? Oh, Ring Fit is just well the pinnacle of fitness games. Um, <laughs> okay. It's just just um, it's just yes, it's it's good. It is good. Um, this because this is something that Nintendo have dabbled in before, trying to get fitness into games. What is how does Ring Fit work? Um, well, it's just that. Well, it, they give you an entirely new um, kind of add-on to Switch, so it's not you know just a general game you'd pick up, um, and it essentially turns your two Joy Cons into one of them being like a big massive steering wheel sort of thing that you can like push in and uh, retract out and yeah. the other one is one of those kind of um um th- things that strap to your thigh um and that just slips up and down cuz my thighs are <laughs> fat um but um <laughs> but it's um yeah it 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 does it does a good job and it's not the worst game ever. I mean, it's it's it tries to keep it RPG orientated, which it it doesn't do the worst job, um, but it is very kind of kid like, which yeah. it, it kind of makes sense because it needs to sell to kind of every margin. Um, it essentially, works like um, I suppose like you a normal JRPG, doesn't it? You're running around doing turn based battles, but instead of running with the analog stick you're doing movements jogging on the spot and then you're attacking by squeezing this band that sort of resists you for your resistance training to do attacks and stuff right yeah yeah and then and then it turns into kind of like a, a persona based turn-based combat which instead of you you know picking a, a move and just you know pressing confirm it's you press confirm but then you have to do an exercise to perform that move um so you know what one of them might be like a crunch or whatever or uh or kind of um you raise the band above your head and you know you'd probably squeeze it or whatever and those kind of uh, are associated with a um uh with a color and the color is the the, the color is kind of a weakness to the same color. So if you have like a red enemy, uh, arm uh, arm workouts would be red. So you do an arm workout to use it 
to weaken that red enemy. Um, yeah. But I have to admit, first time I did it, I thought I was going to drop dead. It 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 does. It, it is a workout. It's not. Well, that's good. Yeah. yeah. It, it's not. It's not at all. You know, just mess around, kind of wee thing. It's it's not every, something everyone can do. Um, I mean, for kind of more mature people, it's definitely not as accessible as the Wii would be. I think the Wii is very, you know, kind of hand-holding and isn't rough at all. But this game, it, it, its entire point is to kind of give you a proper workout. Workout. That's they great. Yeah, no, impossible I... to find online right now. Are they? Have you had a look? Yeah, I was just, I was just checking on Amazon to see, it, and they're like not even available from a direct seller they're like 200 wow. bucks for like a yeah collectible edition just because they're so hard i mean to find. i suppose that's the sort of thing that would work very well in lockdown wouldn't mm-hmm. it um to get some exercise and speaking of that um the switch itself has become incredibly mm-hmm. sought after as we discussed a couple of weeks ago and i was very trepidatious about sending katie's switch across the pond i thought it'd been stolen uh that uh, there was switch shortages shortages did I say that right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and um, uh, so they were kind of out everywhere. And you expected it due to quarantine, but it was lower than it should have been. And what had apparently happened or what I'd read up, I think it was a 16-year-old boy and it was either Australia or Russia, I can't remember, one or the other. Um, Similar places. Not at all. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, they'd hacked the marketplace that they uh, that they were sold from. And it was putting the stock value lower than it should have been. So when you were going to buy them online, it said they were out of stock, but they actually weren't. Oh, so, oh, so maybe some of maybe the... Maybe that's where the ring fit is. Yeah, some of the people concerned that they're all sold out, they may not actually be. But I mean, I, th- I think myself, what is the... What do they gain from that at all, apart from yeah. just, you know, just people... chaos. Exactly. And, you know, like especially due to quarantine, it's mm-hmm. not funny at all. No, it's not. It's not funny. And it, But apparently the Switch, regardless of that, has done very, very well. It had a massive spike in sales. I think it's up to 55 million, because I think all the parents are like, I just need something to occupy my child. And what everybody Nintendo just pra- needs Animal Crossing. Yeah, everyone wants to escape into, onto their Animal Crossing island. So it is worth mentioning that it is doing incredibly well. It sold more than Xbox One, and it's you know it's only been out since 2017 i mean nobody has um, the problem of it being too bulky for travel right now because nobody's traveling nobody's <laughs> traveling yeah good point good point um so, so yeah broadly speaking i think yeah we're all pop very positive about the switch i think it's got a lot of good games um its future generally speaking looks bright although there are some nitpicks i think that are fair enough to to level against it the biggest one being the current state of its online e-shop Harry, do you want to talk to us about that? Disgusting. It's, it is it's, disgusting. It's, it's terrible. Uh, I mean, I I was actually the other day uh, looking on the store, as I, as I do from time to time, and I've just been looking for it, and I sometimes think was getting the Switch a waste. And I, I'm, you know, <laughs> and I, I don't think it is, because I've had a lot of fun with the games I've got. But the fact that I'm finding like 500 different golf games <laughs> with the word golf in it, but with a slightly different change to the other golf game I saw five bars up, um, it's just ridiculous because a lot of the games on there 
are mobile games, and it's yeah. disgusting considering that some of these mobile games are free on your phone, but you have to pay yeah, for them on the store. How did they get away with that? I don't know. Um, there's one game that I think is, in my opinion, one of the best uh, games I've played on a phone, and I think it was just very good quality. Free game called Into the Dead, which was one of these infinite runner games where you'd have to stray through a foggy kind of um, crop field sort of thing, uh, and you'd pick up guns along the way and try not to run into zombies, otherwise you'd get eaten. Um, and the sequel, I believe, is on there, on the Switch, selling for, I think it was either 30 or £40. Pounds. And as far as I could tell, look in the description, you're not getting anything apart from the game itself, from yeah, what I can it. see. Um, and it's absolutely disgusting. There's a lot of shovelware on there, like you say, a lot of stuff that's been crudely ported from, from phones. A lot of it is very, very overpriced. I mean, even when we're talking about games that aren't um, nonsense ports, like um, the Devil May Cry franchise that you're, you know, we're both big fans of. But how much were you paying, like for when the? F- I remember when Devil May Cry One was re-released on Switch. How much did you pay for it? I think it was either. I think it was about sixteen pounds, I believe. Yeah, which puts it at you know that's about twenty-three or four dollars. Um, so you're talking. A full price, if you want to get all three of those Devil May Cry games, you're talking, you know, a full, full release. And those games have been out on PlayStation 4 for ages. You can pick up the collection, you can pick up the HD collection for a tenner somewhere. It just feels, of all three, not just one. Well, it's not actually true. I think to some extent, believe it or not, it's actually cheaper in some respects, if you don't buy two, which I did because I was that desperate for more Devil May Cry, um, and yeah. you just get one, you get a 20% discount off oh, right. three. Okay, and I think because I bought two as well, I got another percent discount mm. and I got the game. I think it was, I think it was about, uh, I think about 10 or 11 quid I got down to. And then with the gold discount points, which are brilliant, and I think all storefronts should have them, I got down to about, I think it was £8, £6, something like that. Right, but you're still not talking much less than 30 quid for all three, are you? Which I still think is expensive for the age of those games and for the fact that they've existed all over the shop. And with the ports that, I mean, I suppose to be fair, the only one I'd be prepared to pay sort of decent money for, at least Devil May Cry 3 had some um, changes done to it, didn't it? But I mean, you I, although you're going to talk about that in your dessert, aren't you? So maybe we'll come back to that a bit later. Right, yeah. So the online store itself has a few kinks to work out. I mean, the PlayStation store is also full of guff. And I remember the Vita... There are a few mobile ports in there because it has a touchscreen. And as soon as you have a touchscreen, you know, you can get some mobile stuff on there quite easily. So I think there are things that definitely could be improved about that. Let's move on then finally before we get on to our dessert. The future of the Nintendo Switch was sort of the reason we were discussing this in the first place. Thinking about where we would like the Switch to go, the things we'd like to come out on it. Because obviously this is a good opportunity for games that we we didn't have portably before to... um, be in that form so harry let's start with you are there any games you're looking forward to or would like to come out on the switch well actually before i discuss games if i may the ui for the switch is terrible 
in my opinion, it's absolutely interesting, awful. Um, it, it it does its job. You know, you, you you can get to your games in and out easily. There's no delay like I had with the Xbox One, which you, it was the biggest delays ever to try and get. Oh, in and the out UI on Xbox One yeah. is. Herid- yeah, uh, heridius, horrendous. Yeah, it is, it is absolutely. Um, but the switch, although it is very fast to get in and out of, and it, um, you know you can get to all your games pretty easily. The issue is, is that it's so watered down from any other UI that we've had with Nintendo. I mean, even with the Wii U, they did a better job with the menu system than they had with the Switch. Um, I think there are two massive things that I think people are missing, and it's what the other consoles have. And my personal thing I, I really, really, really want is folders and themes. Folders, I, I think it's just, yeah. you know, it's very difficult to, um, you know, order your games. And I think especially if you're, you know, if, if you go to a friend's house or something... Uh, with the switch and the dock and you know you go out to another room and your friends like where are the multiplayer games they have to search through an entire catalog of all these boxes in you know this massive list and it's very difficult to order the things you want what i'd like is what if they did put folders in i would like you to be able to folder your library even if the games aren't downloaded because i think that's the biggest issue with the folders on playstation 4 you can organize things but only if they're on the playstation which obviously loads of the games are huge you can only get a certain amount on there so i'd love to make folders of like backlog things i want to finish and uh story games i want to play again but there's no point if you can only order the stuff that's on your PlayStation. Well, that's that's the thing that's um, that's good with with Switch is that um, it's actually quite vague, which is pretty silly. But you can either delete your game or archive it, and yeah. if you archive it, it just keeps everything. Include well, keeps the only thing it keeps is the save data, which it would keep mm-hmm. whether it was deleted anyway. Um, yeah. which, or, which PlayStation would do as well, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, oh wait, wait, isn't it? Isn't it that you're you're? Oh no, that's that's cloud saving. I'm thinking of ignore me. Um, uh, but yeah, so it will it will keep the the kind of picture and it will keep the save. But you know, so you could order things like that. You know, if if folders came to the switch. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is is themes, which weird weirdly has its own little page in the settings with the black and white themes. But there's this huge gap down the bottom where it should seem like there should be many more themes for you to pick from. And there never has been added any at all. And I think it's a complete waste, really, because, you know, there's so many, you know, so much money they could get from that, really, because people, you know, want themes. some money. Well, I think quite a lot, considering. Yeah. Yeah, no, those are... are, um... Valid things to hope for, as as far as the um, the software and hardware goes. What about games? Oh, but wait, before sorry, before we talk about games, I did have another thing about like hardware, I guess, um, yeah. that we didn't really touch on that has been a problem for a lot of people I've talked to is the Joy-Con mm. straying yeah, drift yeah. Um, on a lot of the Switch models. Um, is maybe a, a con mine randomly has stopped doing it in the last week it it was doing it for a while when i first got it back so i don't know if that's something 
in addition to like we talked about the ring bit if they're gonna if they have a plan to like keep adding things on it seems like they kind of tease that a bit with like the the labo uh labo cardboard things yeah 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 so i guess it would be interesting to see if they plan to make some of those like a permanent addition like with the ring fit uh, maybe that leads into what games are coming but i just wanted to sort of mention that as another like hardware issue, issue. that oh no that has come yeah up. yeah and that's another reason why i would never get a light because at least with the normal switch if your controllers break they're expensive to replace but they can be replaced whereas if uh, if you get joy-con drift on a switch light it's all built in you have to replace the whole console the Switch Lite looks brilliant. You still get Joy-Con drifts. And some people have even had drifts in like a week of playing it. And I think if, if, you, if your Switch Joy-Cons or, you know, connected Joy-Cons break, then, you know, the amount of money, especially if it's out of warranty, you'd have to pay to probably yeah. get it fixed, um, is ridiculous. But... You know, if you get a, a normal Switch, at least you can either get third-party Joy-Cons, which may be crap quality, but are cheaper and might may not break as quick or may break as quick as normal Joy-Cons. But you're never yeah. going to have that thing where your console, in some extent, is bricked due to, yeah. you know, your controllers being broken. Speaking of the Joy-Cons, I'm not actually a big fan. I think they're a, they're a really great idea clipping onto the side of the screen and then they can clip into their own housing and become a controller but i just don't think they feel very good they feel very clicky not that robust doesn't feel like you can really give them any walloping um so i'm i love the pro controller though for the switch the the wireless xbox like controller i think that's a really high quality controller but otherwise not a big joy con fan would you switch people agree with that my hands are the size of a child, so I've never had a problem. That's, well, my hands aren't very big either, but yeah, fair point. What about you, Harry? Um, I think some games, they're fine. You know, like uh, games such as uh, Mario, there's no issue with them at all. But I think especially with games like Bayonetta, Devil May Cry, and all, all other Breath games of the like Wild. that. Yeah, Breath of the Wild especially. It becomes so fiddly and very uncomfortable i think especially in breath of the wild where you have the kind of weapon swap thing with the kind of d-pad type thing when you're trying to hold that down avoid the left stick and then move the right stick all at the same time it's so uncomfortable um and the sticks i mean i've got the these kind of little thumb grips on the top now but they're horrible, absolutely horrible. Like, they're very uncomfortable. They slip out of your hands. It feels like you haven't got control over the game as much as you would with other consoles. Um, but I think especially if, you know, you're new and wanting to get a, a Switch, definitely invest in some thumb grips um, because a lot of them are very cheap. Um, and for me, I think if there wasn't any thumb grips for Switch Importable, portability would be a nightmare for me yeah no interesting point then before we go games future games what do we want to see come to it katie have have you got any you'd like to um mention uh i guess mine was gonna gonna come up in dessert um i don't really i i I don't have a lot of extra games i've been playing for dessert um just animal (laughs) just animal crossing um so i have been looking ahead to a few of the new um 
the new games coming up. So maybe I'll talk about that in dessert. Okay, cool. Yeah. And um, Harry, what do you think? Are there things you'd like to come or things you're looking forward to? Well, there's a lot of games that haven't been announced and might not be announced that I would like out. Um, Some of them being games that are kind of old, some of them being quite new. Um, And the old ones I'd like added is the Tomb Raider games, especially the very classic ones, because I think they'd be an amazing portable game. Yeah, Yeah. be amazing. Especially, in my opinion, um, the uh, Legend game. That's one of my favourite Tomb Raider. I love that. Importable. Oh, so they're not the original Tomb Raider. Oh no, games, no. I think no. I do think those would be a great addition as well. But I, I personally yeah. would love to play Legend again. That middle generation is a good generation of Tomb Raider. Yeah. yeah. Anniversary Legend. Yeah. Uh, Underworld is medium, but yeah. Yeah. I'd also really like the Metal Gear <coughs> series. I think. <coughs> excuse me. I think it could really find a footing again. You know. Yeah. Although I think. Well, I think I speak for almost all of us. We all hate Konami now because, you know, Mm -hmm. they've just, you know, torn down a lot of what they were, you know, known for. But I think if, especially that they keep on renewing the IP and doing nothing with it, um, although they're obviously getting a lot of money with their kind of gambling machines, putting it on the Switch and getting a footing, if, if they were to find a new sort of life on the Switch... Um, you know they they'd run well most likely, and it would it would just you know kind of bring a bit more respect back to them. I yeah. think. I mean, you can get you can definitely get them on the Switch because one and I mean two and three run on the Vita, don't they? Very well. well exactly. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, well, I was actually playing two on the Vita recently, and it does kind of chug in some sections, especially oh, the, the, the prologue. Or, well, I didn't remember it until I played it again. Um, and I think, especially if you put it on the Switch, that's just going to be gone. Like, you're not going to have yeah. to worry about that at all. Yeah, good point. Um, anything else? My last one is, and I think, I mean, I, I, I don't know, because porting games must be a nightmare. But yeah. I think especially the Resident Evil, Resident Evil Engine games should be able to get onto the Switch. Um, And there's many reasons I think this. Um, One of them being is that recently, when the Resident Evil 3 demo came out, uh, in the code files, um, they'd have this little bit where, you know, when a game saves, it'll say, don't turn off your specific console. Um, And it'll say Xbox, PC, whatever. One of them was Nintendo Switch. And it had a, a kind of in console link sort of thing to the to the store as well mm-hmm. which is just a very odd placement if you're not ever going to put it on the switch and the other thing is that from me being a pc gamer you can turn down the settings in in the resident evil engine games like crazy and a lot of what i've noticed when playing the resident evil games it's all about resolution and picture. It's never about the graphics and how good they looking they are and how deep in texture. Um, a lot of what affects performance is the resolution scaling. And I think if you're putting this game on a telly, if you put the graphics quite low and have it so that when it's on TV, it's genuinely uh, quite a normal resolution and doesn't look too bad. But especially when you go in docked mode, if they were to put the resolution scaling even lower than it is on the telly, 
I think it would it would then work because obviously you haven't got that much of a screen to look at as much on the telly, yeah. and you wouldn't notice it. And I think that even though that they are current gen games, it's from what I can kind of gather, especially if we get uh, companies who are good at porting games to the Switch, it could be easily possible. And I think you know it, that now we've got a lot of the Resident Evil games and Devil May Cry games on the Switch. Why not port them over? Because yeah, I mean, Resident Evil Seven was running on PlayStation VR, which isn't very. Um, it doesn't. I mean, obviously, it's very powerful to you to has to run at sixty frames or whatever to make sure it's a an immersive VR. But I just feel like if it can run in VR, PlayStation VR, then there's probably some way of getting it to run on the Switch. Yeah, well, I think it was just a a really ridiculous excuse to have that cloud version of Resident Evil. Um, yeah. And I think that is kind of that does kind of make you think, oh, maybe it might not run. But we got The Witcher Three. I mean, yeah, I mean that's the point. Like as soon as you get The Witcher Three on the Switch, all bets are off. If The Witcher Three can fit on the Switch, no one else has really got any excuse. Yeah, the, I, th- I think the only thing we're definitely never going to get on something like the Switch would be something like Cyberpunk. I mean, you know, you could get practically any game that we've had come out on that Switch if if um, The Witcher 3 had come on. And, it, and, and yeah. from what I've been told, The Witcher 3, although maybe not the best graphically from you know a lot of um, games that we have on nowadays, it still runs well to some extent. And I think you can have that with any game. Yeah. All right. Well, um, that was a comprehensive deep dive into the past, present, and future of the Nintendo Switch. Hope you enjoyed that. Um, we're going to take a quick break now, and we'll be back with our dessert. See you in a bit. And we are back with the final section of this show, Dessert, where we discuss one game that we are looking forward to or that we're playing that we'd like to recommend. Um, this week, we're going to start with Katie. What have you got on the docket? Yeah, I um, mentioned in our main course, I didn't pick up any new games um, this week because I'm trying to get my island to a three-star rating so that KK Slider comes and performs. <laughs> um, so that's been taking up a lot of my time. But since we're talking about the Switch, um, I did look ahead to some new things coming out. Uh, I've got two games, one that is coming out next month and the other... Uh, release date is is uh, unknown. So the one coming out next month that I'm looking forward to is Paper Mario: The Origami King. Sick. I had mentioned that I was playing um, Super Mario Odyssey. Really enjoyed that game. Um, and I played. Oh, I forget the title of it, but I, I played the Paper Mario game for GameCube. I think at the same time that I was borrowing... Was it Thousand Year Door? Yeah, 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 that's the one. I think I played that one on GameCube at the same time I was borrowing that to play The Wind Waker. Um, and I thought that was a cute game. I played Kirby's Epic Yarn, which is like a similar s- style, at least, I guess. Love that game. So cute. Um, and I looked into i think yoshi's crafted world is the other one that's been out on switch already uh i I guess if anyone's listening who's played that you'll have to let me know if it's worth it i haven't looked into it a whole lot yet but title sounds interesting that comes out i think on july 17th paper mario you're talking about yeah the paper mario one yeah 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 i 
I've never played a Paper Mario game, but on paper, oh, pun not <laughs> intended, um, they they look exactly up my street, turn-based, um, sort of jaunty and uh, whimsical. Yeah, so, so I thought that would be a good dessert game when it comes out. Um, absolutely. The, the other one that I was looking into, and I had forgot that I was even like looking forward to it, is um, the Metroid, the next Metroid Prime game which I think they're up Sick. to like Metroid Prime 4. But last year, I think they ended up saying, Nintendo was like, um, we're, we're, we're stopping this game and we're restarting it with another like publisher or whatever. So there's still like no release dates on or anything. So I guess this kind of ties into the end of the future of the Switch um, main yeah. course is I just want Samus on the Switch and I hope she gets here soon. So... It's going to be a long time, I imagine, until yeah. that we've seen nothing. Um, I'm thinking conservatively 2022. Which is but, um, unfortunate. Yeah. But speaking of Metroid, though, a game that I really want is um, that one on 3DS. What's it called? Is it called Samus Returns or something like that? Um, there's, a, there's, a two, there's a 2D Metroid game on 3DS, but like 3D built. And it looks really, really fun. So maybe we could get that at some point. Maybe yeah. that'll tide you over. I mean, the last one I played, I, I think, was Metroid Fusion, which was, yeah. what, Game Boy Color? Color? Or Game Boy Advance, maybe. Now yeah. it's a 2D one, but that is such a great game. I love that Metroid that's, Yeah, one. that's very highly regarded, isn't it? Yeah. I've never played a Metroid Prime game, but yeah. Um, cool. It'd be great, actually, if they, they could get ported, the originals, yeah. mm-hmm. to Switch. That would be great. You going to say, Harry? I just wanted to let you and others know that there is a demo for, um, what's it called, Yoshi's Crafted World, if you do yeah. at all want to check that out. Yeah, I think I even downloaded that demo ages ago and never got to it. So. Give it a whirl. Cool. All right. Um, my dessert this week, something I've been playing, um, the third Assassin's Creed game I've spoken about, Assassin's Creed Origins. Um, so for those... those um, of you who have listened before, you know that I'm a huge fan of the Assassin's Creed game set in ancient Greece, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, one of my favourite games of this generation. And I was playing it having bounced off initially Assassin's Creed Origins, which is set chronologically slightly later, but it's set in ancient Egypt and it's sort of meant to um, illuminate the the origins of the Assassin's Order and the conflict with the Templars or whatever. Um but because I loved Odyssey so much and I maybe didn't give Origins as much of a chance as I should have done, I went back to Origins with this fresh perspective. And I have to say, it's really, really good. And I think my opinion before was was quite <laughs> wrong. Uh, I, the thing is, it's because it's such a big... Harry will know this as well. It, it's such a big um, shift in gameplay style, really. I mean, you're still, you know, you're still a guy who's out to assassinate the various leaders of the insidious orders that control everything but they really stepped in a different direction for origins and odyssey um there's sort of a slightly less less of a focus on climbing things you can still do it the combat changes from like really counter-based to something that apes sort of the dark souls streak so it's more real time you're not countering everything you're dodging you're putting your shield up um you can control an eagle that flies around and spots things for you the worlds are massive even for 
open world standards of this generation. So that it really felt like, because it's one of those series that feels sometimes quite stagnant because they produce games on a nearly yearly basis. And maybe ever since three which came out years ago all the way up to rogue or whatever um no all the way up to unity they've all sort of followed the same basic gameplay structure so there there was definitely some fatigue there and while like i say the bones of it are still there in origins and odyssey there is enough change to give it a slightly new identity um so yeah origins set in ancient egypt a really really interesting setting it's post um alexander the great's invasion so it's a really interesting mashup of the native Egyptians having to sort of deal with the clashing Greek culture and the Greeks have sort of come in and established Alexandria or whatever and they're very um, pompous and condescending to the native um, Egyptians and you play Bayek who is a native Egyptian he's a um, what's the term uh, not magi Pharaoh. something like no he's not a pharaoh <laughs> um i can't remember the term is i think it essentially he works as a as a helper of his um area and sort of doing various ta- magi i think is the, is the term or magi is the term they use um like the and you sort of you, yeah sort of yeah i think and it, the game sort of presents them as essentially problem solvers so people come up to bike all the time and say can you sort this for me out magi um and you're watching the assassin's order form from this which is interesting for someone who's a broadly speaking a fan i'm not going to go on any longer than that other than to say it is much better than i thought it was visually it's stunning and you can't really put a price on surfing down the side of a pyramid so um yeah it's uh, it's definitely worth it for those of you who bounced off it initially like i did and went to odyssey and loved odyssey maybe like i did give it a chance it takes away all of the conversational things it's much less of an rpg than odyssey but in a way I sort of like that. It's it's like I still prefer Odyssey, but I like that this is slightly less involved. I can sort of just sit back and let the story wash over me. But uh, yeah, enjoying it a lot. Enjoying it a lot. Harry, what have you been playing for dessert? So I was going to originally talk about Devil May Cry Three Special Edition for the Switch, but if that's okay with you, I changed my mind last <laughs> minute on a game I bought Sorry. recently instead of buying at February. Um, so I recently was looking through the horrible Nintendo store and one game caught my eye called Beholder and I had no idea what this game was at all. Still, in some sense, don't. Um, but essentially, it's um, it's not just on the Switch. It's on, I think it's on Steam and maybe some other consoles. Um, but it's essentially... Um, very similar to Papers, Please, to some extent. Love that game. Um, and it's set in a very similar uh, type um, universe as well. Um, and it's a cross between quite a lot of games. And I think what drew it to me was, funnily enough, a Flash game I used to play when I was really little. And I think it was just called The Haunted House, where you played <laughs> as this ghost with what I could only describe as a tutu around its neck. And it would go around and try and spook everyone in the house to kill themselves. It's very dark, but that's just... Oh, I feel like I've played a, like a board game or a card game or something based on that. Yeah, it, it, was, it was very weird. Um, but that's what brought me to it, uh, because it's 
kind of style of the apartments was like that. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. I haven't really talked much about what it is, but essentially you're a landlord um, and your job, you're kind of, um, um, you're doing a job for the kind of government, uh, essentially, to run this apartment block filled with all these different people. Um, and there's not many apartments, I think there's about eight in total. Um, and all these people um, are trying to just live out their daily lives while you kind of check on them and make sure they're not doing anything illegal. Your entire point is to catch them out when they're doing something illegal, report it to the ministry and get them arrested. Um, and it was, it's really, really good because one thing that I really like about it is it's art style, apart from the apartments, it's more the characters are very similar to Limbo. So they're, oh, they're yeah. just silhouetted characters with white eyes. Um, and they're, um, these characters will have their own kind of personalities and uh, different things that they enjoy. And it, it's what's quite funny is um, you can talk to them or when they're out, you can, because you have the keys to all these apartments, you can go inside their house and rummage through their stuff and catalogue what they like, what they do. And you send the reports of, of them that you profile them for the ministry and get money for it for kind of profiling oh, all these different citizens. Breaking and entering. Yeah. <laughs> and you set up security cameras, which for you on playing the game, they're super obvious that they're there, but for some reason the people living there can't see them. And they'll be just doing their daily lives and you can't go into their apartments, otherwise they get angry at you. Um, and I was recently playing it and I don't Rightly know... so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and I was playing it recently and I don't know whether this is a story thing as such because there's kind of a two-part story going to the going to the game with a lot of side quests in it. Um, but I, I was just playing the game and when I think when you haven't done the job it's a bit like papers please where the police get involved the game ends sort of thing <laughs> yeah. um and I was really confused because the first time I played it, I didn't understand it and like first like 15 minutes I was taken away and probably murdered or something um but th this time I was playing where I began to understand this game um the police came in and I thought, oh no, what have I done wrong? This is terrible. And what happens? Someone had died. And I was in shock because I was like, why has this person just randomly died? And this wife who had recently married this guy during a, a side quest I was doing, um, I thought, why did he just randomly die? So she went off to work and I went into her apartment and there was arsenic in the drawer. And I was like, she must have poisoned this man. And I'm trying to figure out how I can catch her for the, for the crime, but I can't seem to be able to do it. But the, oh, Ben, I think you'll find this funny humor wise. You get announcements from the ministry every few minutes. Um, and it will be making things illegal. So some of the things that are illegal is you can't wear blue jeans. Others is that you can't um, you can't gather outside and sing a song and things like that. And you as the as the um, forgotten the word for it now. Um, 
What's what's the word? Landlord, that's it. You have to catch them and profile them and then send that to the ministry. That and does sound really interesting. It is. Yeah, it's no, I, very different. I think you'd like it if you picked it up on Steam. Is it, is it recently released? Uh, I think so. Um, I mean, it came out of beta a while ago, and it's yeah. now a full I've game. I've never even heard of it. Uh, well, no, um... yeah, I pick it up on Steam, because it is just like Limbo, very 2D and linear, but it is very, very good. Cool. Yeah, I'll look into that one. All right, well, um, we'll leave it there. So thank you, everyone, for joining us. Thank you, Casey and Harry, for joining me. Harry, would you like to share any social media outlets? No. Great. And Casey? Uh, you can tweet at me, or you might as well send a carrier pigeon message. I don't know if I'll get yeah. it either way. But also look on our website for all of our details if you want them. Yeah, remember to send questions or thoughts to the consumed podcast at gmail.com. And if you want to join Harry, I mean, it's going to be probably too late by the time you're listening to this, but it'll be up on uh, on the archive. If you want to see me uh, be very, very scared of Resident Evil 7, you can find Harry and I streaming over at twitch.tv forward slash foxfight. All right, guys, um, stay safe. Um, lots of challenging things going on in the world at the moment, so I hope you're all doing okay. Yeah, look after yourselves and those around you, and we will see you soon. Bye.